So that's First uh, Corinthians two twelve. So we the first thing we need to understand is that through by the Holy Spirit it allows us to understand things things from God. It under, allows us to understand spiritual things. You know, sometimes I'm like talking with people and they're like, you know, um, listen, it has nothing to do whether you're a good person or not, okay? It just means whether you're born again or not, okay? Born again doesn't have anything like whether you are like good or bad. It's not about that. It's whether you're just born again or not. You know, born again, salvation is free to everybody, okay? God, he's, he's going to send his, put his Holy Spirit in you and then start working in you. Once he puts his Holy Spirit in you, your eyes are opened up to spiritual things. So I sometimes, sometimes I'm talking to people, they're good people, but it's just like kind of like, you know, I don't get it. You know, <laughs> there's just like, a, you know, there, there's, and, and they're, they're bright, you know, they're moral, they're, they're, they're good people, but they're just not like kind of tuned in because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. Let's look back at, um, okay, let's keep looking at John, uh, 1 Corinthians 2. Let, now let's look at 13 and 14. Chapter 2, 13 and 14. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, express, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the Spirit, the things that come from God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Let's look at back at John 14. 14.26. 14, chapter 14, verse 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So you can see that, um, sure, it's here in the Bible, you know, and, and sometimes uh, people, you know, they study the Bible even in university and such, but they're not, unless you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're not going to really, really get it because it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. And otherwise, it's things, it's foolishness because it's, it's foolishness to them because it's spiritually discerned. You know, I can tell you, hey, you know what, it's a good thing for you to, um, to, you know, take everything in your bank account and go cash it all in and give it to charity. And I can tell you that's a good thing. And then people would say, what? That's foolishness. But that's what Jesus told the rich young man. And I don't think that's necessarily the word for everybody, but it was word for the rich young man. And it could be the word for us because the Holy Spirit speaks different things to each of us, right? In accordance with God's word. So it's some things that are spiritually discerned. The third thing that the Holy Spirit does, let's look in John chapter 15, verse 26. John 15, 26. John 15. Verse 26. When the counselor comes, who I will, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the, the counselor or the Spirit also 
testifies about Jesus Christ. He helps people to, um, he wants the whole world to know about Jesus Christ. So when we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are also, he's going to prompt us to testify about Jesus Christ. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, be, um, you know, God always tells you to speak out. And then your, your own fear and your own nature tells you, oh, you know, you better not because, you know, he might not accept it or, you know, this isn't really the right time or something. The, the, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you to testify. And also the Holy Spirit is going to work in you so that you have the most powerful testimony, which is your own life. You know, how many people have been changed radically since they became a Christian? And we're still being changed, right? Amen. You know, that's a testimony from pe for people who know us. You know, the, the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus Christ. You know, the Holy Spirit prompts us to do things that are, that are different and that our peers aren't doing, other people aren't doing. And other people are like, what? You're not going to, you know, go on and, and, and uh, get, a, get a job, you know, in, in this field because I thought you wanted to go into this field and you're going to go do something else. You know, you're going to go be a missionary or something. So uh, it testifies about Jesus Christ. It makes us different. You know, if we're not different, we're not a testimony. How can we be a testimony if we're all the same as everybody else? Let's look at the fourth one in John chapter 16, verse 5 through 8. John chapter 16, verses 5 through 8. Now I am going to him who sent me, Yet none of you asked me, where, have you, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I, that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Amen. So the, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that brings conviction you know, sometimes we, we feel bad, right? And so we have to think, like, why do I feel bad? Do I feel bad because it's condemnation from the devil? Which is condemnation is something like, you ugly, or, you know, you're stupid, or something. You know, it's like stuff that you really can't do anything about, you know? <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm stupid, yeah, I know. <laughs> or, you know, I, I'm, I'm a klutz, you know? I'm always, I'm always messing up, or like, nobody likes me, you know? Things like that, it's condemnation, all right? That's from the devil, but specific things that you have, you, you can do something about. Hey, you need to go this, to this place. You need to talk to this person. You need to say sorry. You need to, you know, repent. And, and you know, you need to be going to church every Sunday. That's not condemnation. That's conviction from the Holy Spirit, okay? And we should thank God that we have that from the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't, you know, that's, that's a... Uh, Prevenient grace, okay? So that then we have the choice whether to say yes or no. Okay, we still have free will. That's the grace God gives to you. And he's, he's helping you to realize your sin and to make a decision for him. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I think... Um, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm more aware that of, like, my spiritual temperature. Like, okay, am I, you know, more on fire or less on fire than, like, five years ago or ten years ago? And I, I don't want to be, like, stuck at the same level or even going down. I want to continue to be, you know, more humble and, 
and uh, learn things from God, learn from my experiences, my ex mistakes, so I can be more effective for him. So I'm always like judging, you know, looking at myself and uh, evaluating myself. And sometimes I, I see that, oh, I'm coming up a little short here, you know, because maybe my level of faith is not as much as it used to be. You know, I want to be, I want to be expect expecting that God is going to do the miraculous in my life every day, right? And you guys should be too. So, you know, we look at ourselves, and if we find ourselves lacking, we should, don't feel too bad. Because I, I, I realized that, and I felt, I felt very sad. But, um, you know, as I thought about it, it was like God was telling me, hey, you know what? What would be really sad is if you didn't know it at all. That would be really sad. If you didn't care, you know, that's sad. Because the Holy Spirit comes and convicts you, and he's not going to let you just slide along. You know, the only fish that goes with the, with the flow of the water is a dead fish, right? So the, the fish that are alive are always swimming upstream. You can go to Issaquah, you know, downtown Issaquah in the, in the fall. I think maybe next month or the end of this month, you know, you can see this, the salmon trying to spawn. And they're always going upstream except for the dead ones. Okay? So... The Christian life is a struggle, okay? We're, we're always struggling. The Holy Spirit gives us authority. Let's look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 21 through 23. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 20, verse 21 through 23. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you not, do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, this just doesn't mean that we can go arbitrarily around and say, You dead. You know, <laughs> it's like, You're going to hell. No, it's not that. But we, we, when we preach the word of God through the Holy Spirit, we are speaking with the authority of God. God has given us authority. So we have authority by the Holy Spirit. You know, um, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, what does it say? I'm not even going to look. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Set the captives free. Something like that. So we have authority the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. For what? To preach the good news to the poor and to set the captives free. Wow, that's awesome. You know, we can go and we can say, you know what? You're going to be set free. If you're willing, you're going to be set free. I'm going to pray for you right now, and I'm going to keep praying for you because sometimes we don't see it. You know, maybe our faith is just, you know, not quite up there, but tenacity will make up for that okay <laughs> you keep praying for it and we're going to see it come come to pass you know we have authority you know in the um in the UW care group you know I said we need a better we need a better place to meet and so we got to pray you know let's let's pray for a better place to meet and God is going to give it to us because we pray in his name for the good things that are for his ministry okay so you have authority in your care group, in your, in, your, in your family. You know, if you're thinking, hey, I want to serve God. I want to be unencumbered by debt, you know, so that I can serve God more. Or I want a better relationship 
you know, between the husband and wife so we can serve God more powerfully. You can claim that. God gives you authority. You know, you have the Holy Spirit in you to start speaking things into your life. Good things, not selfish things. The Holy Spirit gives us power. Who knows what Acts 1.8 says? Something, stay here in Jerusalem, something like that. So you'll be my witnesses. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus said, you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know, you're not going to be some, you know, uh, little guy with, like, no endurance. You know, uh, remember the Nintendo NES game with Mike Tyson? And, like, you're the, like the little guy, you know? <laughs> you're going to be like Mike Tyson in that game, okay? You got power. Boom. You're knocked out. The, in Acts 4.31, it says that when they prayed, the room that, where they were meeting they were, it was filled with the Holy Spirit and they were, all, I mean, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They had power. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of love, power, and of self-discipline. Timidity. The last thing that I've written down here, I think there's more things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, thank God. But the last one I wrote down here is the Holy Spirit gives us direction. So um, let's look in Luke. Today it's not like exegesis, but it's more topical. That's why we're going all over the place and we're just looking at um, you know, all the, the verses that deal with these certain topics. So we, we get to read a lot, of, a lot of parts of the Bible. And when you bring your Bible, and then it's good practice, you'll flip it back and forth. <laughs> chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Let's look at Luke chapter 12. Verse 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 12 says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I think 11 would be useful here. It says, When you are brought before the synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you, how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You know, God's going to give us direction. He, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was on Jesus, and the Spirit led him into the desert. What He needed to go through that, that temptation period. Jesus was tempted and tried in every way so that he could understand what we we're going through, so that when we, when we pray to God, we know that it's not a God who doesn't understand, but a God who's gone through everything for us. And the Holy Spirit led him into that. And Jesus promised that, when we're in the difficult situations, when you're in the tough situations, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you what to say. You know, you, 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 listen, the way the Holy Spirit gives you direction is like this, okay? He says, go here and, and, and be at this place. 
And so you go there and be at this place. And then say this and do this. He's not going to tell you everything. This is how it's all going to happen. And then this is why. And this is what's going to happen 10 years and 5, 20 years out. You know, it's not like that. The Holy Spirit gives you direction. He told Philip, go, stand near that chariot. Philip said, okay. He ran and, and was kind of running by the chariot, listening to what the, the Ethiopian eunuch was saying. And then, you know, he, he, he launched right in. We got to step out with faith. Okay, so the Holy Spirit gives you direction. It doesn't mean like, well, God, you got to give me a little more info than that, you know. You know, I don't want to make like, you know, bad decision. You know, you got you to gotta tell me more. No, it's not like that. Okay, now, how can we be led by the Holy Spirit? The first thing is set your mind on what the Spirit desires. You know, if you're still, if you're thinking like, um, who is that guy, Simon Magnus, in the, in the book of Acts? And he's like, whoa, these guys receive the Holy Spirit when he lays on the hands on them. He's like, I want that. You know, he had, he had bad intentions. He wanted the Holy Spirit for his own, you know, because he was like a sorcerer, right? And, and he saw that this was real power. So he wanted the Holy Spirit. But Simon Peter said, you better repent. You know, that's bad. That's a wrong attitude. But if we have set our mind on what the Spirit desires, then the Holy Spirit is going to use us. We need to be like the glove, right? Like the hand in the glove. So we can't have our own like our own agenda. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 5 through 9. Chapter 8, verse 5 through 9. says, Those who live according to the sinful nature, we, we all have the sinful nature, and we used to live according to the sinful nature, have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. What does the Spirit desire? Love people, forgive people, love unconditionally, still forgive people, you know, this type of thing, you know, help people out, not be selfish. The mind of the sinful man is death. You know, wait, 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 wait. I thought, you know, I want to go to the buffet and, you know, go eat and get this and that for myself and, and kind of, you know, protect me and my own. But the Bible says the mind of sinful man is death only. You know, those, life does not consist in, of, okay, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of God. Amen. <laughs> Okay, there's more to life. What, what good is it if the man gains his whole, the whole world but loses his very soul? You know, the mind of sinful man is death. You know, you can get like a new car, but in 10 years it's going to be old car, all right? It's going to be, the polish is going to be all worn off and stuff. You got to wash it, pay all the insurance. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Ooh, life and peace. You know, you're not thinking about yourself any longer, but you're thinking about God. And my favorite movie <laughs> is Brother Sun and Sister Moon. How many people have seen that? That's my favorite Christian movie. 
So it's like from the... <laughs> Pat's like, I wish I hadn't seen that. <laughs> but it's uh, the, um, the life of Francis of Assisi. And he was, he was the son of a, a rich merchant in Italy. You know, it was a during period of war. And then God kind of revealed himself to him. And, and he had an epiphany, a, a revelation of, of Jesus Christ. And one day he was in church and he was hearing the gospel read in, about the rich young man who went to sell everything. So he's, he started giving all his dad's stuff away. And the dad was like, no, 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 stop it. And then everything that the dad gave him, he kept on giving it away. And so eventually the dad took him before the bishop of the city. And he said, this son of mine, he keeps on giving everything away. So he said, you know, I give everything back to you. And so he stripped naked. And that's the part I think most people don't like in the movie. <laughs> and then he gives even his clothes back to, back to his dad. And, and he just walks out and he becomes uh, the first of the like um, mendicant orders or something. But basically these orders like the Franciscans and... Um, Dominicans, they, they would go around preaching and, and begging, and they didn't own anything. And even though the Franciscans later on after him, they changed the, the, the rule of the order that they could own stuff. So they started like owning lands and stuff. But under Francis, they never owned anything. But they went around just preaching, preaching the gospel and, and um, just depending on God for everything. And Francis was awesome. He even went down to Egypt and preached to a great sultan down there and then um you know like challenged the uh the, that guy's that guy's religious guys to like a, um a test by fire you know kind of like Elijah style so I'm like oh this guy's so cool anyways anyways he had life and peace he wasn't worried he said he he was he when he, when he had to go before the pope oh i i just you guys got to watch this movie. At least, at least watch it, stick with it to the end. Because he's like quoting the scripture to the Pope. And the Pope is living and sitting in all this opulence. And the Pope is um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the same guy. Uh, no, the, the, the same guy that plays Obi-Wan. Um, I forgot what his name is. And then Gimli's in there too. One of the, one of the bishops is Gimli. The, yeah. But anyways, he's like... He's like uh, quoting the, the scripture to the, to the Pope, who's like, you know, living on this big high throne and stuff. He says, you know, we don't, we don't need any of that. Didn't Jesus say that he will take care of us just like the birds of the air? So there's a, a very profound thing here, I'm telling you, that the sinful mind leads to death. But the mind controlled by the spirit, spirit is life and peace. You know, when you're not thinking about yourself, but you're thinking about the other person, that's true peace. True peace is not just having everything that you want, because you're never going to have everything that you want. And even if you get it, you're only going to be satisfied for a very short time. Okay? True peace is living according to the Spirit. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Wow. Cannot please God. So set your mind to this, what, on what the Spirit desires. That's the first thing we need to do in order to be led by the Holy Spirit. The second thing is die to our sinful nature. Okay, now you've set your mind on what the Spirit desires, but then you're unless you've died to your sin, you're dead to your sinful nature, you're struggling. You know, you have like 
two, two minds inside of you. And it, we all go through this. And we need to die to our sinful nature every day. Jesus says, unless you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Unless you give up everything you have to follow me, you cannot be my disciple. He said that. He said, unless you hate your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters, you cannot be my disciple. Now, what he means that is not hate them, but he means prefer them more than me. He says, if you love anything else more than me, you cannot be my disciple. Being a disciple, a follower of Christ is a serious thing, okay? It cannot, we cannot be half-hearted or mediocre Christians. God wants us to be full-on Christians. And I'm telling you, this is the way that leads to life and peace. If you want to be a better son, a better daughter, you submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. You will be a better son and better daughter. If you want to be a better husband and a better wife, you love God even more than you, you love your family. Don't make me sing another Keith Green song. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 and 26. Galatians 5, 24 and 26. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. It says, those who have belonged to Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus has crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. You know, the Galatians were having a problem with being very legalistic and, uh, Jesus, uh, Paul was saying, hey, you can be legalistic, but you're not pleasing God. Look what's resulting. You guys are all fighting, biting each other. You know, you have all this hatred, malice, envy. But he said, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't have to worry about all these legal, legalistic things because the mind controlled by the Spirit is going to, um, can't do nothing but good. Can't do anything but good. So, um, we need to be crucified to our sinful desires. Let's look at Philippians 3, 18 through 19. Philippians 3, 18 through 19. And I know this is not going to be popular in our church because our church loves to eat. <laughs> we love to eat. Amen? Food is good. Food is good. God gave us food to enjoy it. But Philippians 3, 18. For as, of I as I have often told you, for, if I as, for as I have often told you before, and say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Remember, the mind of sinful man is death. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. They're like, oh, look at me. I got all these nice things, you know. I'm, you know, living, living living large, right? And that's their glory, but actually it's their shame. Jesus said to the, the church in, I can't remember, the Laodicea, he said, oh, you say we're rich, 
We're wealthy. We don't need a thing. But I tell you, you poor, wretched, blind, and naked. You know? So their glory is in their shame. So it says that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And I think that Paul was talking about even Christians. They live. The way they live is, is enemies of the cross of Christ. And their God is their stomach. That's why it's good to fast once in a while because then we really realize how difficult it is to struggle with our flesh, right? My flesh says eat, just eat a little bit. But no, you need to, then you're, you're like, Paul said, I beat my body so I will not be disqualified. He says, I don't want to, you know, you know be like uh, some Christian leader. You just make one little mistake. And then you discredit your entire ministry and hurt so many people. Oh, you know, God, give us grace. Look at James chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. This is another heavy verse. Do you guys feel conviction or condemnation? I hope it's conviction. You know, conviction is just like you're just bad. Con that's condemnation, but conviction is just, is, you know, there's things in my life that I need to change. You know, there's, there's ways that I could change, specific things that I could do, even in the next hour. That's conviction. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or you do, do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? How many people are in a relationship? Either you're like you're married or you got boyfriend or girlfriend, something like that. I do. Now, how many of you would be okay with that person, you know, going out with like maybe their old, their old flame, you know, just for one night a year. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd be like, <laughs> no, it wouldn't be cool. You envy intensely the Holy Spirit who he caused to live inside us, envies for our attention, our love, and our affection. We are married to him. Now, this is the right way it ought to be. You know, we're not doing God any special favors. We were created to be his subjects and he to be our, our God and master. This is the way we ought, we ought to live. So if you're living in, in rebellion, not doing what he wants and, and going off and um, running around with the world, then that's the wrong way. You're rebelling against God. Okay, so don't think you're doing God any favors by being faithful to him. We're supposed to be faithful to him. We're supposed to desire him more than anything else. Okay, 
And it's that sinful nature that Satan uses like a hook inside you, like a fish, you know, gets hooked, and he can't run away. And he gets so tired, and eventually he gets hauled in and caught, scooped up in the net and then fried for breakfast. You know? That's the sinful nature. That's why we need to die to our sinful nature, crucify it. We can't just keep a little bit around, you know, like, okay, God, you know, you got Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Sundays, and I got Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, okay? No. No, we need to be full on. Don't just let Sunday be the only time you read the Bible, please. You need to feed yourself. Can you imagine what if I said, okay, you guys can only eat on Sundays? Whoa. But sometimes we do that to our spirit. That's why our spirit is like, <sighs> by the time we get to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> Pray in the spirit. The Bible in First Corinthians chapter 14 says that when we pray, our, our spirit prays, but our mind is unfruitful. Our mind is what talks to people, and our spirit prays to God. When, I mean, it's not just any time when we pray, when we pray in tongues. So we pray in the spirit. And then it, the Bible says that, you know, you shouldn't do this all the time in the, in the, in the public, public meetings, especially if everybody's doing it and nobody's interpreting because you're not doing anything constructive for the, for the group, right? But he says that's okay to do privately because when you're praying in tongues your spirit is praying to god but other people don't understand unless somebody interprets okay but the the thing that you can get there is that we can build ourselves up or edify ourselves by praying in the spirit the fourth thing we can do to be led by the spirit is live a holy life Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, malice, and all, all, the, all these type of things, and unwholesome talk. So do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And you see, grieving the Holy Spirit is not only actions, but attitudes, because Paul lists both actions and attitudes. And we grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit can be grieved? That's why he's not like the force in Star Wars, because the force doesn't have any feelings. The force is like some cosmic power, but the Holy Spirit is a person who lives inside us. It's the Spirit of God, and he envies. He wants our, our relationship even more than we want him. That's why when we hunger and thirst for God, he's going to draw even closer to us. He's going to be ready. He's not going to be like, eh, I've seen enough of you. You know, he's, he wants to have a close relationship with us. So he even, he's grieved when we do the bad things or we think the bad things. We need to live a holy life if we want to be led by the Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Eighteen through 20, chapter 6, verse 18 through 20 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? 
You were not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. We need to, not only we don't grieve God by, you know, the things we say, the attitudes we have, but also we, we need to stay away from sexual immorality. Do not quench the Spirit's fire. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. So do not treat prophecies with contempt. You know, the, the prophetic, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit is very important. And if we, we, can, we can quench it, remember the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, right? He's powerful, but he's a gentleman. He will work in us to the, to the point that we allow him to. Even Jesus went into his hometown and he couldn't do many miracles because people had no faith. They said, wait, isn't this Jesus, son of Joseph? We used to play with him when we were kids. You know, they, they said, who is this guy? They didn't have any faith. So do not quench the Spirit's fire. So I want to I wanna end up here. Um, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is available to everyone, everyone who is a Christian. In fact, the Holy Spirit is, is in, in us. And the Holy Spirit will come upon us in even greater power when we yield ourselves to him. And it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 5, verse 32 says, when Peter, Paul, Peter was talking to the Sanhedrin, he said, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whose God has given to those who obey him. So one, we receive, the precondition is by obeying him. The two is in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the second thing we do is we ask. And I want to tell you, this is available to everybody. Everybody here. If you're living, you have like 23 chromosomes or something, like makes you a human. It's available to you if you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer. All right? But I think uh, all of us, you know, we, as we learn today, there are things that we can do or not do that can hinder what God, God can do, do in us and through us. And like I talked about earlier, you know, it's the, the Holy Spirit, he wants to use us. And he wants to use our church. And he wants to use the body of Christ. He wants to come and save people. The world is hurting. God has compassion for people. But he's, he's, he's going to use us. And he's waiting to use us. So that's why it's urgent. That's why it's a core value of our church that we yield to the Holy Spirit. That's why I want to tell you that, you know, even today... And tomorrow, and the next day, and every day, we need to continually yield to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, one thing that um, I was thinking about recently, and I know it's not original thought with me, but revival is not cheap. You guys know revival, right? We're all praying for revival. We want revival. We want lots of people 
in Seattle to come to know him. We want people in our church to be just full on and not encumbered by sin and, and sinful desires. But revival is not cheap. It requires a sacrifice. And when we yield ourselves, then God's going to use us and bring revival. You guys, anybody feel the challenge? God, God is challenging you to give up more of yourself, to sacrifice to him, to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Let, let's, let's pray. Lord, we want to be used by you, Lord. Father God, please work in us, Father God, and through us, Lord. Father, we know that, that in so many ways we still